It's great being with you guys here this morning. Some of you guys might know me. Um, I work with students at Central, so I'm sometimes normally at the evening gathering, but it's awesome that I can muck in with you guys here this morning, so thanks so much for having me. Um, So because some of you haven't met me before, a little summary of me. Um, So I grew up in London, came here six years ago for uni, um, and then stayed and worked for Central. I love making coffee for people, awful at making hot cross buns. I attempted um, last Sunday and it was, it was terrible. Um, I don't really get how to use yeast. Apparently you're meant to activate yeast. Um, so if anyone knows how to activate yeast, you can tell me after this because it was, it was like a pure brick and you had to like hack it to get in. It was, it was really bad. Um, that's a little bit about me. Um, so this morning we're going to be chatting about hope um, and hope through the Holy Spirit. And I'm really excited that we are chatting about this as a church because if we're real and we're honest, all of us from one degree or another um, recognize hopelessness. We all wrestle with hopelessness and we all carry stories that are tough in our lives and we know of people that are going through tough stuff. And even in Edinburgh, I used to do... Um, my walk to uni, so I don't know if some of you guys know New College, but it's near Prince Street, and I would walk through the meadows and go um, down um, George the Fourth, and you'd see like two or three homeless people just on that bridge, and you, li- you literally can't walk around Edinburgh without seeing homeless people around that are going through tough stuff, and um, as a cheeky little plug, I was in the Streetlights, communities, they're great, um, so I was in Streetlights, which is a community here at Central, and we'd go down to Leith, which has um, got a mini red light district, and um, and I would see and hear stories of girls that were just stuck in cycles of addiction and stuck in um, in tough spaces and. And then for our world, we've got people in political power that are making really interesting decisions at the moment. And we've got, um, we've got global warming and we've got a huge refugee crisis. Um, and so hopelessness is something that we all know of, we're all familiar with. But the church is the hope for the city that we're in. The church is the hope for the city we're in. And so we need to be wrestling with and really understanding what is hope, what does it look like as a church to stand in hope, to be hope for ourselves and to be hope for the city and for the world. Um, So we're going to be looking at just one verse this morning. I'm just going to be sharing a few thoughts that I have on it and then we're going to have time to reflect and pray together. So we're going to be looking at Romans 15, 13. And so if you've got Bibles with you, or you can just Google search it, or if you've got apps on your phone, we're going to be looking through this verse quite, quite a bit. Um, so Romans 15, 13, I think it, it's on one of the slides. Amazing. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to pray. God, I thank you that you are the God of hope. I thank you that you want to speak to us right now, that you um, want to show us more of your character and more of who you are. We ask that we would just be available and open for you to to talk to us and um, to challenge us, to show us more of who you are. We ask that um, we would leave this space just understanding a bit more of you. Would you use my words as something that would land and be useful for people? We ask it in your name. Amen. So hope, 
So what, what is hope? I think for, for me and for a lot of us, I think we have commonly a really watered-down version of hope. Um, that we, we hope for things in life. I, I hope that um, I can finally make really good hot cross buns on an Easter Sunday. I hope that I'll be able to go abroad this summer. I hope it will never snow again in April. And if it does snow again in April in Edinburgh, then I'm not wearing shoes with holes in them because it was a, not a good day. Um, and so some of you that weren't here this week, it was, it was snowing. And I think it's ridiculous because it's, it's April and why is it snowing in Edinburgh? Um, but we, we hope for things and, and we try and look for hope in the world. We, we hope for our futures. We hope for that really good house and that really good area. And we hope that our kids can grow up going to the good schools and that they grow up in a certain way with good character traits. And um, we hope for good friendships and family and for that to flourish. And I'm not saying that that isn't hope, but I want to argue that that hope is an imperfect version of hope, but that the perfect version of hope is God. And it says here, may the God of hope fill you, that God is a God of hope, that he is the perfection of hope. And that while we're looking um, for hope in the world and while we're looking for hope in um, in circumstance that face us, we're never going to be truly satisfied because it is not the best version of hope. The best version of hope is God. Augustine, who's this um, incredible like theologian, I, I just love him, I did my dissertation on him, um, he said that we're restless until we find our rest in him. We're restless until we find our rest in him that we're looking for hope everywhere and that all of us, no matter if you are a Christian here today, if you know Jesus or you don't, we're all hardwired for hope. We're all looking and searching for hope because the world has hopeless spaces in it and so we're all longing for this hope and we're never going to be truly satisfied or settled because hope comes from God. It doesn't come from things that we see in the world. It is an element, a glimpse of hope, but it is not true and perfect hope. So we think about our situations that are hopeless. We think about Edinburgh and we think about the world. We need to be pointing people towards God. That, that is the hope that will truly satisfy, that will bring rest to our souls, rest to the souls of people that are looking for hope. So God is hope. And then it says... May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. I think this, this is really hope, helpful because I was, I was thinking about hope and I was like, I feel like it's a really vague term. Like we chat about hope a lot in, in church and, and it's great, but what does hope actually look like materialized in our lives? And it says here that the God of hope fills you with all joy and peace. And so when God gives you hope, it looks like joy and peace. So when I think of joy, I think of Jesus, classic Sunday school answer, the answer is always Jesus. Um, but when I think of joy, I think of Jesus. Um, in his ministry, he bookends it on both ends with miracles that are filled with joy. So at the start of his ministry, he's at a wedding in Cana and um, they're running out of wine. Everyone's freaking out because if you run out of wine, the celebration stops. And so Jesus decides to turn water into wine. And that is the, the way that he chooses to set the tone for his whole ministry with a miracle that is full of joy. And then at the end of his ministry, before he goes to heaven, the last miracle that he does is that he's at um, the Sea of Galilee and some of the disciples are on a boat and they're trying to fish and they're not getting any fish. And so Jesus shouts from the shore and he says, put your net on the other side. So they put the net on the other side and they get in a massive haul of fish. And it's, it's really specific. It's 153 fish, which I'm thinking someone sat there and counted all the fish. So I'm just like, good on them. 
Um, but um, I wouldn't do it, fishy hands. But, um, but they, they managed to get in loads of fish. And by the time they got to the shore, Jesus had lit a bonfire for them and they were having fresh fish on the beach. And so that is, that is a miracle that is filled with joy. And that is the last miracle he does. And so Jesus bookends his ministry with miracles that are full of joy. And also, I think it's really important to say that joy, joy isn't just something that's, that's a personality type or for the bubbly, happy people, um, and because the circumstance requires it. Um, Jesus, throughout his ministry, you see that he has joy, even though the situation didn't demand joy. That, um, as you see, when he's on the on the beach with his disciples, you think, okay, that situation demanded joy um, because it sounds like he's having a great time. But if you just rewind a little bit in the story, the narrative of Jesus' life, he'd just been massively rejected by all his disciples. Um, They'd left him to die on the cross alone. And we we heard last Sunday about his death and his resurrection, that he was left to die without his disciples around. And then this is, he'd, he'd risen again appeared to a few of his disciples, but this is the first time that he's met and reunited with most of the disciples. And so I'm like, if I was in that space where I'd been really rejected by my friends and then I'd seen them for the first time, I'd probably not be doing a bonfire on the beach and having fresh fish. I'd probably be a bit sad or doing something else. But Jesus chooses in that space, in a situation that did not demand joy, he chose joy. And that for us shows that joy supersedes circumstance. So for our lives, when he gives us hope that brings joy, it means that it underpins every story, every moment that we go through. It's not because we're having a happy time all the time, because sometimes stuff's tough. It's not because, um, because everything is going to plan, but joy is something that Jesus stands for and fights for in amongst every story, every up and down of his life. And we get to have this joy through the Holy Spirit. We get to be filled with this joy, which is amazing. Um, so hope fills you with joy and hope fills you with peace. Um, I think when I think of peace, there's this really useful um, bit in the account of Jesus' life that Matthew wrote. And um, he says, um, where is it in here? Oh, I think it's on the screen, actually. I think it's the next slide. No. Okay, it'll be here somewhere. Okay, so um, it's Matthew 11:28 to 30. And this is the message version because I'm a fan. But it says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, the peace of God gives us a lightness in our spirit, Because the amazing story of how Jesus relates to us is that we aren't the ones that have to carry our lives anymore. He invites us to give our lives over to him. I remember like whenever I go through stressful times, I always get a lot of tension in my shoulders and, and it's that I feel like I'm literally carrying a weight on me and people are like, you've got, you've got like a heaviness on you and you can see people like slumped over and stress and it's because there is weight in life and there's a weightiness that comes from stress and from worrying about the future. But Jesus invites us to give 
him the weight of our lives. And that means that we can walk in lightness. It doesn't mean that we don't care about the stuff going on, that we disengage, but it means that we have a lightness because we know that we're not the ones that carry it anymore. Um, so fun story, some of you guys might have heard it before. But um, it's dissertation season for some of the students at the moment. And um, I had a little bit of a, a nightmare with my, my, with my diss. Um, so I was really, really, really keen at uni. And I finished my dissertation a month early. Um, and, and then I kept it quiet from all my friends because I didn't want them to feel bad or annoyed that I finished a month early. And printed off my dissertation and handed it in to New College. And it was like, I'm done, finished, big moment. Anyway, fast forwarding, six weeks later, I'm in London at Byron Burger with some of my friends in Camden. Great, great place, great burgers. And, um, and then I'm chatting to the guy next to me who was at Leeds Uni, and I was like, oh, how was your week? What have you been up to? And he was like, oh, yeah, I, I gave him my, my disc this week. I gave him the online copy and the hard copy. And I was just like, wait a second. I didn't give in an online copy of my dissertation. Um, and so I just went really quiet and then started researching the, the dissertation guidelines on my phone under the table and found out two things. So firstly, it doesn't count if you don't give in the online copy and the hard copy. It, like, you've got to do both. Um, and then secondly, if it's 10 days after the deadline, you get a zero. And at this point, it had been 14 days after the deadline. And so I was just sitting there realizing I've probably failed my dissertation and if you fail your dissertation you're I mean I don't even know if it's physically possible to to pass uni and so I was sitting thinking okay four years of my life like thousands of pounds in student loans like okay this is happening um and but in that moment, God gave me this incredible peace and like a, like a real lightness in my spirit. It's because Holy Spirit met with me. And even though the situation looked pretty bleak and I could have massively panicked, um, and this isn't because I'm like, because of me being really chilled, it's because God gave me real peace. And that's what he does for all of us, that he fills us with peace. And, and to end the story, I did pass uni, it was fine, but um, it was a stressful moment at the time. Um, but he, yeah, so he wants to fill us with joy and he wants to fill us with peace. And it is the God of hope that we look to, that God is hope, God is perfect hope, that while we're looking at any other version of hope, it's always going to be second best to the best, which is God. And then that hope looks like joy and peace for our lives. And Holy Spirit is here right now in this room. We don't have to hype him up. We don't have to um, do anything to, to make him be in this space. He is here right now. And he wants to give us this hope. He wants to help us to turn our eyes and our attention towards him. And he wants us to... Um, to look at how we do that for other people around us, to do that for the city and to do that for our world, to give us this hope that truly satisfies, that um, makes us um, still in our hearts, that stops us from being restless anymore. And he wants it to look like joy and peace. And so we've got space and time now to, um, to do that and to think about what, what this looks like for us. Um, and so even if this is your first time thinking and engaging with prayer, we can all pray. This, this hope is available for everyone. You don't have to be a Christian to, um, to ask for this hope. This is for all of us. Um, so I'm just going to pray, and then I think we're going to worship for a bit.
or are we going to, no, and then Zach's going to, Zach's going to take over. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to pray. So God, I thank you that you are here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you want to give us this hope. I thank you so much that this hope looks like joy and peace, that it looks like joy that supersedes circumstance, and it looks like peace that carries our burdens for us, that gives us a lightness in our spirit. And we just want to be available to you right now, Holy Spirit. We want to ask you to come and to give us this hope. Yeah, Holy Spirit, would you come?